Soto Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Tony Soto Show. I am your host, Tony Soto. This week, my guest, yes, we have a guest, is returning champion Roger Q. Mason. But before we get to that, happy end of the summer. We made it. We made it. If Guys, I have to say, if I sound a little strained, my instrument has been worked because over Labor Day weekend, of course, I was laboring. Excuse me, let me take a little sip of water. Mm. <clears throat> so yeah, it's like the hottest weekend in Los Angeles. There are fires burning around us. You know, typical things, typical LA things. And uh, I'm in a parking lot doing drag in a caftan. So, you know, maybe we live similar lives, maybe we live different lives. Who fucking knows anymore? Um, but it was a great weekend. I hope everyone had a good Labor Day weekend. It is the end of the summer. I hope that you guys are getting ready to pull out those long sleeve crop tops uh, and get ready to be real big gays with some colder weather. Um, I had a good weekend. It was a good weekend outside of, uh, I did have some trauma. I had a traumatizing experience and I do want to share it with you because I think it's important. Um, so I made an appointment to get uh, some more Botox. And quite frankly, I am looking stunningly young right now. Uh, so I went to go and get more Botox. Now, Botox is like people administer administering the Botox. It's kind of like someone who cuts your hair. It's a very important relationship. Now, I had formed a very great relationship with a gay that does the Botox. He was great, great. Like he hit all the points. He made sure that things didn't move. He made sure that the eyebrows moved just a little bit. And I was like, oh, I loved him, loved him. So I make an appointment. I'm like, hi, can I uh, make an appointment for, you know, dude? I don't want to say dude's name, dude. And they were like, uh, dude, don't work here anymore. Dude, don't work here anymore. I feel like you should, yeah, I feel like you should contact your clientele if dude suddenly doesn't work there anymore. I mean, he obviously has regular customers. You have computers, right? Records, yes. I feel like this is a far better rant than anything on creme de menthe or snickerdoodle flavoring. I just have to say. But, so I get... So I'm like, all right, well, fine, fine. I mean, this is like, okay, now I feel like I'm about to get my hair cut at the supercuts. You know what I mean? You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know the kind of mood the person is going to be in. You know, throwing caution to the wind, queen, at this point. But I'm a woman of a certain age. I'm a gal who needs to freeze certain areas so that way people aren't like, look at grandpa. So I was like, I have to go. I have to go. I have things. I have people. People are going to see me. So I go, I was like, hook me up with whoever you got. And so I get there at 10 when it's opened, when my uh, appointment was, right? Nobody, nobody there. Okay, 10.05, nobody there. There's another person standing next to me who is way more impatient than me. I had the shady spot. So I was like, it's fine. Way more uh, impatient than me. And... Um, Finally, I think it was like 10 minutes after they opened the door, right? And she immediately takes this person first 
who uh, was getting, I don't want to say, no, I don't want to say, who was getting like hair laser removal from his like butt down. So cute though. I wanted to see that butt. I did. But I digress. So come to find out the lady who was doing my Botox, it was her last day as well. There was a mass exodus. Everyone's leaving. So many people quit. Now, this is where I go and get laser. I love my laser. You know, this is where I went and got, finally got the person, my gay dude, got down to $10 a unit on Botox. What do I do? Do I leave? Come to find out there's toxicity in there. Toxicity. I don't want to support toxicity. And the thing is, is if someone, and listen, the girl who did my Botox this time hooked it up. She hooked it up. So I support her. So I think I'm going to have to find someone new, which is really traumatizing for me because I, you know, you think you had it. You think that that job as a nurse is a good paying job and that you wouldn't want to leave, but toxicity. Anyway, so yes, I also uh, hosted Bears in Space. Thank you to the Bears in Space uh, community for letting me host twice this year for the first time ever. It was so great. I had so much fun. I did get my monkeypox, second monkeypox vaccination in full drag at Bears in Space, right next to the DJ booth with my arm plopped on a speaker. And it was administered to me by a cute little twink with beautiful, fabulous purple eye makeup. And I was like, I will let anyone inject me with science. That's how I know. I mean, listen, every shot of COVID I ever got, I was in a park. You know what I mean? And you know what we people do in parks. So I'm like, obviously I am okay with just letting any person inject me with what they say is science in any situation. Now, here is the thing as well. And this is how dark-minded I am. It was photographed. So there'll be photographs of me getting injected my monkeypox vaccination. And the first thing I thought was, oh my God, people are going to think I'm a bitch and can't do my own needle. Like, how kind of dark-sided shit is that? I was like, oh, they're going to think I can't even do my own needle. I can't. I want you to know that I can't. Needle drugs were never me. I was always a vanity drug user. I like the shit that only messed you up on the insides. I never wanted to bruise. I'm not that girl. Like my cartilage might be mushy, but my arms are fabulous. You know, and my veins are solid. But anyway, get your fucking monkeypox session. I hate it. I hate, I, I, I got the first one, the, the OG, like the full shot. And I hate this one because there's like a time release bump or something on your arm now. And I don't know when it's going to leave. And I forget because it's, it only itches every once in a while. So when it does itch, I scratch it and then it hurts. Come on, science. Get better. But I'm going to tell you that it's better than the first monkeypox shot. Because I don't know if I talked about this, but the lady who gave me this shot like she literally swabbed my arm with alcohol and then she got up and she left and then she came back and i'm not very sure that she actually stuck me where she swabbed me so you know you take what you could get free science thank you biden you know um and then of course we had another learn the words bitch this week and always a pleasure love that show well we're, we're doing another learn the words bitch in september on the 21st at stash in west hollywood so look out for that um, let's see what else is happening out here before we, oh, I should make a comment about, um, 
Battle Babies. That's right. Battle Babies is coming back and it's coming to Stash in West Hollywood on October 5th. And we're going to be every Wednesday at 10 p.m. And Battle Babies is we take four new queens every week and I make them lip sync battle each other for ultimately at the end of the year is going to be a cute little cash prize. Um, if you want details, you have to email battlebabiesweho at gmail.com. Do not DM me. I have no idea. Um, what is going on? on with this Chris Pine and Harry Styles nonsense. Did you see? Now, first of all, I don't know either of them well enough to comment, but that Harry Styles boy did spit on that Chris Pine boy. Like I, this alleged stuff, this is what bugs me sometimes when you like see it in the video. I was like, no, 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 no. I looked at his mouth. I have been spit on like with consent, but I have been spit on. And like when and when I'm getting spit on, I am making eye contact and looking at the mouth. And so I was looking at Harry Styles' mouth. And you know what it looked like? It looked like he spit on that boy. What is the drama, Hollywood? Tell me. Oh my God. Who knows? Oh, Mississippi's in trouble for more reasons than one, but their water is bad. And uh, you know, it's kind of fucked up because. Ultimately, this is going to end up there. These these Republican politicians in Mississippi who want to privatize the water now because that's smart, um, um, but also refused money from the Biden administration uh, to make the necessary repairs so that their fucking water pumps wouldn't break or whatever, or their filters or whatever nonsense broke. So yeah, now 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 they're in a water crisis, and somehow this is going to be Biden's fault. Somehow those Republican politicians are going to spin this, and they are going to make this Biden's issue when it was a Republican issue. You know, I'm getting obviously I'm embracing myself. We are getting closer to the midterms. Like I love politics. I love the drama of it. I love the stress. I like the fucking pain in my shoulder I get every time I think how many stupid people are actually controlling this planet or this country because. I was telling, you know, I hosted GTLA Proud and I was talking to the audience and I was like, don't you just like hate being in your blue bubble during an election time? Like, don't you just hate? Because you know where we're going. You know, we might get, so. I mean, obviously we have Southern California and then the middle area that will hopefully become a lake at some point. Um, but like, you know which way we're going to go. But then you have like Nebraska or like South Dakota or fuck even Mississippi, who knows? They have like population zero, you know what I mean? Just like no people, but they have all the power. It's crazy. So we just sit here and we fucking uh, bite our nails and hope that the smart people outweigh the rubes. Who knows? I'm excited. All right. Well, listen, we're going to go to break. But before we go there, I want to just give a quick shout out to Rocky, who is a fan of the Tony Soto Show, who made a special trip uh, to Los Angeles over the weekend to check me out at some of my shows. So thank you. You are appreciated. And uh, keep listening, damn it. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have Roger Key Mason. We'll be right back. Tony Soto Show. All right. We are back with the show. Now, guys, Roger Key Mason has been on this show. Um, I think more than once we'll find out when he comes up. You know, I don't remember. I smoke weed, but um, I just saw a fabulous play that he is completely responsible for. It's called Lavender Men. So we're going to talk to him about that. But let me just uh, bring on my good friend, Roger Q. 
Mason. Miss Tony. What you doing, baby? Oh, honey, you know, I'm just just talking to myself. That's what I do okay. now. Yeah. Girl, that monologue was everything. <laughs> Goodbye, late night. Those brands <laughs> ain't got nothing on you, bitch. Oh, thank you that so much. Gross. Actually, that, that means a whole lot because I don't, I don't, this is, this is very new. Uh, my doing this alone is very new. So uh, I never know how it, so if I do have a guest, which you are one of the, the chosen few that I'm actually going to be interviewing, um, I make you sit and listen to it so I can get some feedback from you. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I, I was literally, there were moments during it where I was completely laughing out loud. I think you know, your work as a theater artist and as a solo performer have served you well because you know how to hold and captivate and challenge us all in the same monologue. And I thought it was just hilarious. Everyone, well, thank you. So, honey, you are that was a masterclass in satire. Oh, so, you are so sweet. But listen, this is not about me because you, I am no longer an interview show. So I'm only doing, I think, like one interview a month from now on. And, mm. uh, but I was like, I was booking this month. I was booking September and I got two weeks in and I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. Right, right. But I want to talk to Roger Q. Mason oh, for okay. sure. So wait, let me ask you, um, yes. do you do the Botox? Is that something like, do you understand like the import? Do you have a good relationship with your hair person? So let me, let me take you on this little journey over here Yes. about, I would say about five years ago, I used to go to this dermatologist in Beverly Hills, um, on Wilshire. And I asked her then about Botox because I wanted to get it on my little expression line on the top of my face. And she literally laughed in my face and said, you have a great afternoon. I'll refill your, your set of fill, you know, when it was still prescription grade or something and sent me out the door. So she I said, what now? I'm sorry. I was coughing a little bit. What? She literally laughed in my face when I asked for Botox and said, honey, what do you need that for? And then sent me out the door. And that was the end of that. Well, she was wrong for that because preventative bitch you know what i mean like <laughs> listen listen and, and i've changed my stance on it there was a moment like you know when the when you know when the drag race game show when the girls started when they discovered plastic surgery i feel that was like like you know the older ones already had it but right, like it, right. you know, the, the kids the the the, yeah. the 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 ones who wear the no boobies like those girls oh. when they discovered uh fucking botox and shit in their 20s and they were getting injected i was like well that's a little odd and then i'm thinking no, freeze it now. Like my thing is, is if I was freezing mine at 13, like I should have been, I would have never have had the expressive lines that I do oh, now. Oh, girl. Maybe I could have stopped at this point. So, oh um, my God. but yeah, like it, it's just, it's just that moment where I'm like, Ugh, I don't, don't quit me. I wasn't ready to quit you. I thought we had something. And the end, they didn't even call me. Dude, it oh, no. oh, I was appalled. Um, uh, so, uh, so okay. Have you gotten your monkeypox vax? Are you? Are you? Child. Who's pressing up against you these days? Are you? Are you? Well, mm, well, preventatively. Well, see, I've been in a show. You know, I was I was doing my play Lavender Men at Skylight Theater in Las Vegas. So I was in a bit of a bubble for the month, and we all took sort of a vow of of, of uh, prudence. I'll call it. 
um, for, for the month while we were doing the show. So there was nobody pressing up on Miss Mama. And um, I did get the two monkeypox vaccines. The first one, I have to tell you, Tony, the first one was really sad for me. Did you get the full one or did you get the, did you both oh, I get? Got the, I got the full one the first time in the arm. Uh-huh. And then I got the little, I call it the TB shot adjacent for the second one. Hate it. I mean, it was awful. But the first one, I want to talk about both of them very briefly. Yes, you know, please. Because I think they're an interesting case studies in public discourse around, around you know, health and also gender and sexuality. Sure. The first shot I went to, um, I was outdoors in a park in uh, north of downtown Los Angeles. And I get there and it was pretty early on in the cycle of when they were giving these out. And there's this line of people, primarily male identified at birth folks, mm -hmm. not gender them for them because I don't know wh where they perceive themselves. And they were standing in a line. Some of them didn't know if they were even eligible to get the shot. Some of them had gotten a text message. Some of them were told to bring paperwork. And you were, they were being basically pre-interviewed by folks that were essentially de defining whether they were eligible to get the shot based on their sexual behavior. And, uh -huh. so here, and so here we all were, queer folks, having to lobby for public health by divulging aspects of ourselves that it may have, in some cases, folks hadn't even been comfortable in talking about it at all because they're still discovering who they are and what they like. And in order to get this shot, we're having to stand in this line and humiliate ourselves in front of the public health board. Now, let me tell you what happened to me, Miss Girl. Mm -hmm. So I got, you know, I, I got it because I'm um, pre-diabetic and so immunocompromised. So they put me on the list for for the monkeypox shot. I get to the place and then you find out that there's a second form that you fill out when you get there, which has nothing to do with your prereqs. It has to do with your behavior. So you only could get this shot. If, if you, you were, were a slut. A slut, exactly. <laughs> because the only way they gave it to you was if you were at a bathhouse owner, operator, or performer. My doctor you, said rectal gonorrhea. You don't, you don't, you've never had rectal gonorrhea. You don't need it. I was like, all right. Cool. All right. I mean, or you were at an event or you had monkeypox or were with someone who had it. So I said event. So I, we wait another two hours. I go inside and the woman says, oh, so you're at an event, huh? And I said, yeah. She said, she, what got a sex she said, what do you do at this event? I said, honey, do you really want me to tell you? She said, oh, it's that kind of event. I said, yes, baby, it's that kind of event. And she goes, how long is this event? I said, it's about a hundred minutes. She said, you're doing that for a hundred minutes? I said, baby, I do it for a hundred minutes every night. Four nights a week sometimes. She said, my God, let me get you this shot. <laughs> so, of course, I'm talking about my play. Which being I'm an actress, being an actress. I'm talking about my play, but this woman thought I was in some sort of, you know, sex romp. But you do what you have to do oh, in, yeah. order to, in order to get well. So that was the first shot. Girl, that second shot, I brought that pink slip. They did this little... TB shot a your time release your time release bump 
I didn't realize it was time released because that bump stopped. Is it? I, I made that up. I don't know so, what's happening girl, over there, okay, girl. So I don't we, know what the science is doing. Well, girl, <laughs> let me tell you something. When you describe that yours stopped at a certain point and then released up, I now realize that's exactly what had happened to me too. Because I got the shot and then my whole elbow swelled up to twice its size because um, I guess some of the some of the medication or the reaction to it the fluid had gotten stuck so I had a, a very painful bump right under my elbow and I had to massage it for about three days as if it were a hard knot of venom well I don't think they want you to touch it well I had to <laughs> honey because that was the only <laughs> way that I could get the motherfucker to go back up this arm you know I'm gonna tell you I feel very lucky I don't know what it is if it's my genetics if it's like my heritage or whatever mm. but like I'm real good with things like I don't like I don't get I don't react very much so mm. like for for this to be here on my arm and to be a thing I notice I'm like I hate it but I'll tell you it was rough for a long time because I actually went into a line uh that was ultimately cut off and they wouldn't allow the shots yes. and, and I went early because I was like oh well early first of all heat and then like I'm not gonna be great and then I go there and I mean I I mean listen when they told us to leave, I personally though th know that there were at least three disappointed come downs that left. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, I know, girl, rough day. I've seen you on Twitter, you know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, and, oh just, and honestly, it was the right time for them, especially if they had gone all night. Nine a.m. makes sense. They're like, well, they were going to go to bed. Um, <laughs> I don't know how they live. Uh, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I mean, this is the thing. It was like. I, you just have to kind of laugh at it because, yeah, yeah, I went to, but I went to a park in the south side of Los Angeles. And I'll tell you that. I heard that one. I heard that one was better. It was blissful. It was bliss. And they started 30 minutes early. So I was out before 1030. I got there at That's 930 bad. and I was out before 1030. So like it was, a, it was a lovely situation. Right. Um, except for that whole, I'm not really sure if she stuck me where the alcohol was. Right, um, you know, and I'm like, and I'm, and I'm like, I had sunscreen on. I'm like, girl, I don't, don't put sunscreen in, in with my monkey pox. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The Listen, we uh, as the human animal uh, deteriorates um, yeah. uh, as time goes on, because that's what's happening. I mean, like right. we're breaking down. Like, right. like I don't know. So, so just like do it right. Like I will that's let right. you put whatever you want inside of me. I just want you to do it right. Just well, the funny right. thing is they told me not to put any sunscreen on it, near it, or next to it because it would somehow irritate it and cause it to become infected because- Well, of do you food. see how important it would be for her to hit where she was swabbing? It, it was actually, you were not wrong, girl, because <laughs> it actually needed to be right where it was supposed to be. Well, listen, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Roger Q. Mason about the play Lavender Man. We'll be right back. Tony Soto Show. All right, we are back with the show now, uh, Roger. Yes, bro. I'm going to tell you the truth. I've not been to like a stage show since pre-COVID. I hadn't been to a play. I hadn't been to a theater in some mm. moment. And now that is my uh, background. I do right. have a degree uh, in in directing. Yes, uh, the theater. And uh, you told me about your show that you had written. Yes. And starred in. Yes. Called Lavender Man. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about 
Lavender Man. And then I'll give you my notes. Well, oh, she's got notes. <laughs> she's got notes. Well, <laughs> Lavender Man uh, is a play of mine that imagines Abe Lincoln's love affair with his legal assistant named Elmer Ellsworth, who was the first casualty of the Civil War. Which was but, also like, you know, historically accurate because right. there was always kind of speculation that they were, right. they were, that they were together. And then he got, and, and he was embalmed and he had, he laid in state at the, at, 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 you know, at the Capitol. So he got a proper burial. So he, um, Papa was in love with his, with his little cub. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that. But the more important part of it is who's narrating the piece, which is a character that I play in it, which is a contemporary um, black queer plus size gender non-conforming narrator named Taffeta who uses the occasion of narrating this piece to sort of really attack the racism, the bigotry and the hate that is embedded in our LGBTQ community. And she uses this play to really think about the different ways, particularly that white male queerness destroys the self-love, the confidence and ultimately the health, mental and physical health of black queer plus size people. And the play was written in many phases, starting in 2015 when I was living in Chicago and then going on to presentations at Skylight Theater and then on Broadway at a Circle in the Square Theater um, in 2019. And ultimately with this production, which Lovell Holder directed and um, featured uh, Pete Plazik and Alex Isola with me on stage as Abe and Elmer. And, you know, to, to live with a story this long and have it in some ways evolve as I have evolved in terms of my political nature, you know, mm -hmm. the more overt and, and rageful ways in which I want to use my work to talk about politics and the ways in which I'm able to articulate desire now. Because I is a woman now, honey. <laughs> you know, I mean, the ways in which I'm able to talk about love and talk about um loneliness in very earnest and vulnerable, unveneered ways. All of that is new. If this show was supposed to go up before the pandemic, and I think, you know, I, I'm grateful for the time that those two years allowed me to really discover who I was because I am a much stronger and better equipped storyteller now than I was then. And I think that the clarity in the show and the, 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 the verve in that show reflects who I became over the last couple of years. So I didn't know what the show was going to be like. I didn't really know what I was getting into when I got there. Um, for some reason, I had in my head that it was like a one-woman show, that it was just going to be you up there talking at us, which I was there for. I was like, right. I'm ready to listen. Um, uh, but you do have the two other characters who play um, uh, Abe Lincoln and Elmer, uh, and and you're you're the filler of everything else. But I feel like because there is a correlation, we have that voiceover that happens that is playing in the head of yeah you essentially, right? Yeah. Realistically, yeah. because right. like you come on saying you are going to portray taffeta you become yes. taffeta right and so like that symbolizes a need for escape i'm assuming sure um, sure yeah and, and i feel like 
where you were at your most natural was when you were playing the part of Mary Todd Lincoln, who mm. we know historically had a lot of issues. Like, obviously, mm. she, um, uh, I mean, they said that she had mental ill issues, mentally yeah, ill issues yeah. or whatever. Uh, was that relationship of her being invisible to her husband, your correlation to being invisible in like, white cis gay groups that was something that sort of evolved as the show did because we kept adding scenes where taffeta was sometimes herself and sometimes mary and then those lines started to blur and i think what became really clear for me is that there's a correlation between mary and taffeta and that they do they they are sort of mirrors of each other and they do symbolize that same erasure and and invisibleness to the same white men no so. i don't i don't want to give a lot away but like uh in the show we start with something that we think that we're going to get to which is yes. a rewrite that yes. that abe and elmer get a do over yes why first of all why yeah. well why abraham lincoln and elmer why yeah. why those two characters as yeah. a catalyst to move your story forward yeah you know i went when i was um when i was 12 years old i you went a springfield girl i did go to springfield but i went to springfield when i was girl i went to springfield when i was uh when i was 28 years old but i went to springfield uh later in life i went to dc uh, at 12 to uh, visit my grandfather's alma mater. He was a graduate of, ha ha of Howard University. And um, then my family and I went to Ford's Theater, you know, where Lincoln was shot. And I became obsessed at that time, not only with Lincoln, but also with that era, because I feel as though many of our relationships to gender, to um, religion, to sort of patriotism and to race were solidified in that time. That was really kind um, of like I, the butch it up moment, huh? That was the like, butch it up moment. Yeah, right. dude, stop wearing wigs. Like they were yeah, like, yeah, that was kind of the turn. And also, and it's it's the time period that Professor Cornell West calls a scene of instruction, meaning to say a sort mm. of formative historical moment that informs how the rest of history will go. Right. And so I think in order to understand where we are now in terms of in terms of queerness in terms of racism we really have to go back and try and address and rewrite where it started so where the play started you're absolutely right is that she starts out seeming to indict the source of her current um loneliness which is white queer men not accepting her and she goes in for abe whose whose myth is one of sort of comeuppance and masculine ambition in this country. Yeah. But, what's, but as the play evolves, and particularly as she delves deeper and deeper into Mary's psychosis, Mary and Taffeta start blurring. And also Taffeta and Abe start recognizing that they have similar problems, that they're not as far apart from each other as they may have thought they were. They're both misunderstood. They're both right. and they're both stuck in a particular image in the public's mind. And so Abe at the end of the piece 
decides that he's going to continue to be a victim of history. He doesn't change. You know, he says, well, because well, well, that, that's yeah. the most honest ending there. Right. Because how could he? You know what right. I mean? He's, he's dead. dead. You know? Yeah. But, 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 but the, the world is for the living, you know? And so Taffeta has a choice at the end of the piece. Is she going to stay the victim of not only white queerness, but also of her own mind and her own self-hate? Or is she going to start healing? So and what have I, you done? Because this was you, baby. Like, that's the thing. Like, when I watch this show, yeah. I, when I watch this show, I mean, nothing, in, in the time that we've known each other and the, yeah. the, the conversations that we've had, right. like, there was, there was no truer thing where I was like, I mean, this is a true to life play. Yeah. Like, this is someone who is working through. So if there's right. one thing I recognize is someone working through something. And well, actually know, that's why it was, it was such an honor to watch it because you managed to like pull together that per, I mean, from lighting to sound to stage, uh -huh. it was beautiful. You had two other actors. They were choreographed Moen. You had the means to put your hopefully healing journey uh -huh. uh, out there in such a magnificent way. It was really, really great to watch. You know, I, I appreciate that, Tony. And you know, let me tell you what I did. It started with me at a certain point. It really started a, a year ago, but I had a therapist who said, one day you will encounter that 12 year old who was silenced and told they were nothing. And you need to embrace that person. No veneer, no performance of fabulosity, no, no defense mechanism of steely reserve can help you there. Yeah. You're in the river sticks and you have to see the cardinal sin of self-hate. I mean, that's, that's, that's our, like we were talking before we even recorded, we had a whole show before we did this show. We had a whole show. Honey. And uh, we were talking about, you know, uh, the letter grouping and it's like yeah. um, how I feel like we were all lumped together by the straight community, but right. we do have one thing in common. And that is because we are othered, we do hate ourselves. There is right. that, and you'll give, you'll give control to people that don't deserve it because you think that they'll elevate you to a higher status level. It's right. all that. So, well, you look, you look to other people who represent a kind of ideal to affirm you. And, yeah. you know, the, in the play, what Taffeta does is she starts by unspooling her dependency on the, these men for affirmation. That's where she starts. That, that yeah. sort of starts happening towards the middle of the play. And then at the end, she speaks firmly to that voice in her head and tells it to stop. Yeah. And then moves from that moment. This all happens in a matter of about 30 seconds. From that to the beginnings of healing, which is to say, I am somebody, I am fabulous. Because when I say it and I speak it, I make it manifest. And by making it manifest, now it's out there and I have to grapple with it. What am I going to do with it now that I've said it? Because if you just let it set, then that's when you have to take responsibility. It's on you. Like, and, you that's, gotta... and I think that's where 
that that's where the play sort of leaves us. It leaves us with a moment where she's moving towards healing. She's not healed yet. This ain't yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it, it's not a, you don't walk out of there necessarily Da, 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 right. not at the theater you know like you yeah. like you you definitely walk i mean people i'm not saying somber but i mean i feel like you left people like thinking on their walk out you know and I mean? and that and that and that's all the doing of 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 our director level holder because what he actually said was i don't want them leaving this theater feeling as though all has been resolved because oh my god at, look at see look at how intuitive i am <laughs> Because, because, you know, at, at the center of that piece, too, is, is this idea of, of body dysmorphia and food addiction. Yeah. You know, which is something that we sort of chart through Mary and her relationship to Taffeta. And, you know, I still struggle with, with food addiction. And it's not something that leaves you. And it's disrespectful to people that manage it on a daily basis to say that I can say one thing to myself and all of a sudden all, all 35, 37 years that this will go away and the damage that it's done will go away. That's not true. Yeah. It would be unrealistic and unfair to folks dealing with all kinds of addiction to say that we can wave some magic wand around it and all of a sudden it's gone because that's not how it works and we all know it. Absolutely. Well, so listen- that was the point. Well, so, well, what's, what's happening with Lavender Men now? Because it's closed now at the skylight, right? Yeah. So it's closed. And so there is a uh, motion picture adaptation that is, that is wor being worked on right now. I Ooh, can't say motion, I, like they're moving I, in it. My God. I cannot say anything else about it right now. Um, we will have to wait for press releases and appropriate materials, but I can say that there is a filmic uh, adaptation of the piece that is in motion. And congrats. Uh, That's amazing. Thank you. thank you very much. I see it. Yeah. yeah. I see and it. it. And it's a little different from the, you know, from, from the play, you know, there's, 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 a, there's another thing going on there. And that's, that's all I can say about it. And then in addition to that, um, I, I have my eye towards New York and I'm saying all of that, you know, because some of your listeners might be producers in New York or they might be moneyed people that are looking for a, a <laughs> oh, please let me know if you're moneyed people if you're moneyed people please let me know you know i'm, <laughs> I'm just saying that or or the sugar babies of moneyed people yes, yes you know let me call it out those clueless philanthropists that just oh money well i'll give them a clue or two but we're, i have my eyes on new york so i'm i'm interested in moving the piece you know, to off Broadway first and, and, and then seeing what that does. Then you find a music person, slap a musical in it, make it a musical, have Girl. them singing and dancing. You well, had it in there. You it, had it in there. Well, it's interesting you're saying that because one of the things that the composer sort of has an idea for is an element of, of performed music going on during the piece. And so that is something that's, that's, that's a conversation that that's surrounding it. And, and well, it is interesting. you know, I think that you should be really, really proud of, of the journey of Lavender Man because um, it's, I, I, I don't typically leave a show with not much to say about it. The 
only thing was literally that boy's tattoo that I would have loved to have been called over and I could have covered up. But that was it. Like everything else, I was like, it was an important story. And I I want you to know, because I, I, I want you to know that, like, I hope that you know that you were seen in it because oh. that's a big thing about the show is there's a lot of invisibility trauma. And oh. and, uh, and uh, I hope that's something that you work and it, have gone through. Yeah, you know, it's- Because there are people in that audience, bitch. girl you had an audience i'm telling you there were people in it and they were watching well you know it's interesting tony to have lived on the other side of the limelight for many many years working tirelessly dutifully and hopefully as i have and to have seen so many debut darlings go by some of them whose stars have risen and sustained and others of which have since eclipsed. Mm. But I have stayed moving and stayed working this whole time. That's what it is, it's a waiting game, baby. It's finally paying off and I'm grateful to everybody who has seen it and grateful to everybody who appreciated it and said kind things in person and in writing over the time that that show was there. Well, congratulations on it. It was fantastic. Why don't you tell people where we can see you on the social media? Well, I am on um, Instagram. My name is at Roger Q, Q, the letter Q for my middle name, Quincy. So Roger Q dot Mason. On Twitter, I am Roger Q Mason, all one word. And then on Facebook, you can find me at Roger, middle initial Q, last name Mason. Roger, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, my dear. It's it always, always such a pleasure, pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I wish you all the luck. And uh, we'll talk in the future for sure. Yes, I'll see you soon, my dear. Have a wonderful day. If you all enjoy the Tony Soto show, then please go to our iTunes page and subscribe to the show, rate the show, leave a comment. It helps. I'm the Tony Soto show on all social media, which is Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say. I'll see you all next week. Bye.